Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. I believe in nature, in science, in jazz, in dancing, and I believe in people in their resilience, in their goodness. This is my credo, this is my hymn. Maybe it's not enough for heaven, and maybe I'm even wrong. But if I can walk through the fire and with blistered skin still have faith in better days, I have to believe that's good enough. Emory Lord, the names they gave us. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm recapping the books I read in April. How is everybody? Are you guys okay? Um, what a what a crazy <laughs> what a crazy time to be recording a podcast. I read 11 books in April, which is interesting to me because it very much has felt like I have experienced a reading rut, certainly kind of between the end of March and the beginning of April. And I do think it it got better as the month went on, but I counted, I had to double check my count on how many books I read because I thought there's no way I read this many books in April. There are so many things to be said about what we are all living through and experiencing. And I think living through and experiencing in different ways. I'm not equipped to address all of that, but I hope you are well. I hope you are okay. If you are a Patreon supporter, I hope you can tell every Tuesday that Olivia and I are working hard and are so grateful and overwhelmed by all of your online support and your orders. They are keeping us going. They are giving us hope for whatever it is that comes next. I don't think any of us really knows for sure what what that's going to look like, but Thank you for all of the ways you guys have supported the bookshelf and continue to support us through these uncertain days. I hope maybe these podcast episodes can at least give you a little bit of joy um, in the middle of just confusing, tumultuous times. So let's dive right in because we've got 11 books to talk about. The first book I read in April was Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. As of this podcast recording, this book does have a May release date. I want to be clear that release dates are changing and sometimes they are changing faster than we can keep up with. But last I checked, this book does have a May release. I love J. Courtney Sullivan. I don't know if I've talked about her on the podcast before or not, but I loved I loved her book Maine. In fact, I'm I'm recording this in in my house and my bookshelves are behind me and I saw Maine before I sat down to record. I love that book. Maybe it might even be time for a reread. Um, I liked the book Commencement that she wrote. So I'm a big J. Courtney Sullivan fan, and I'm kind of of the mind that whatever she puts out, I will try to read. And so Friends and Strangers came across my desk as an arc. I really liked this book. It is very similar to Such a Fun Age. Uh, basically, it is about a woman who is a new mom and she is grappling with being a new mom and she lives near a university and she hires a young, uh, you know, I think maybe a senior in college to come be her nanny. And she doesn't quite know 
the boundary lines between um, being a boss and being a friend. And so a relationship, um, a friendship develops between the two of them. But you can tell that there's a power dynamic and that the friendship isn't the most healthy. And so I find it fascinating because I loved, as you all know, I loved Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. And I was thrilled to find another book tackling maybe the same subject matter. I think they'd be a really interesting pairing. They obviously cover different territory and there are different uh, different storytelling styles. But again, very similar, I thought, in tone and in story. But I liked both. Uh, I loved Such a Fun Age. It was one of my favorite books I read last year. I stand by that. I think Friends and Strangers is comparable to it. And so uh, if you are interested in more about maybe those class dynamics and what appropriate relationship looks like between, yeah, a boss and an employee. Um, I think this would be really good. I actually think weirdly to me, friends and strangers almost has writers and lovers meets, meets such a fun age vibes. Uh, if that makes sense. So I really liked this one. Um, I think it wound up being like a four star book for me, really enjoyed it. I think it's smart and gives you a lot to think about. So that's Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. The next book I tried uh, and read was The Return by Rachel Harrison. I read this, Olivia read it, and she told me going in, she was like, I loved the first part of this book. It took a turn, but maybe you'll like it because you like more horror-esque stories than I do, which is kind of true. Olivia knows I like scary movies. And so she was like, I think maybe this book will make, maybe the ending will make more sense to you than it did to me. So I took home the return. The premise is simple uh, and very clever, I think. So four, I think it's four best friends from college. One of them, they kind of, you know, grow up and they're still friends, but they're all living their own lives. And then one of them goes missing. And the book very briefly addresses like this girl going missing, young woman going missing. And then two years later, she reappears and her friends don't know what happened to her. And they take this trip to this secluded, quirky hotel. And and to me, and I think to Olivia, too, that premise sounds great. Like, I am very intrigued by uh, what a friend group, how a friend group might handle grieving the loss of someone and then realizing they were alive this whole time, but they've maybe experienced some something traumatic that you'll never understand. I thought that was really fascinating. And so like Olivia, the first part of this book was really intriguing to me, but it is very much, it takes a turn. <laughs> it takes a turn in ways I should have been prepared for because Olivia literally prepared me, but I wound up not loving this book because it takes such a turn into horror. So more into the vein of The Shining than like a suspense thriller book. Basically, the young woman who has been missing starts behaving oddly. And to me, that makes sense. Like at first I was like, oh, right, because she's experienced trauma and now her friends have to help her grapple with this. But instead, it takes an otherworldly turn in a way that is never fully explained. Like you never fully understand what we're dealing with here. And so as a reader, uh, there are some scenes that are very dark and very gruesome and a little bit graphic, but it feels so otherworldly that you still don't really know what's going on. So I actually think a horror fan, I think Olivia was right. A horror fan, I think might really like this book. I don't know that I, I am that person. 
Um, because I very much wanted the story of girl goes missing, comes back home, deals with the after effects. And so do her friends. Like I was there for that story. And instead the story that Rachel Harrison takes us on is more of what happens when your friend comes back and she's maybe more different in ways than you could possibly understand ways that are out of this world. Um, and so very dark. Uh, I read this, gosh, I feel like I read it in one, one or two sittings, I will say. Um, so it's a quick read, but I remember there's a scene where things are being eaten. We'll just leave it at that. And I was like, Oh, this is, (laughs) this is really dark. Uh, and, and again, maybe I, I don't know that I fully got it and fully, I don't know that it was for me. We'll put it that way. Um, because I do think probably a horror fan and I'm talking like Riley Sager plus. So if you really like not suspense thriller movies, that's a different category, not suspense thriller books, but if you really like horror, like maybe even Stephen King's it or something like that, I think the return might be for you because I do think there's some interesting concepts and there's interesting things going on, but I really think a lot of it went over my head um, at the end because I really was there for the story about these four friends. If you have read this book, we'd love to hear what you think uh, because I'd be curious to hear what maybe a horror reader might think. So this is called The Return by Rachel Harrison. Took turns I wasn't expecting. Um, Appreciated the author's ingenuity and we'll be curious what other readers think. Next on my list is Siri, Who Am I? by Sam Tashida. I met Sam Tashida at Winter Institute, I believe. Uh, All the months are blurring together for me, all the days. Nothing, time does not make sense. Um, But I believe I met her at Winter Institute. Siri, Who Am I? had a May release date. And this is one that other people informed me now is like scheduled for 2021, maybe, uh, which is bonkers. I, I feel like that could change. But so just a heads up that I did not intend to review this book and it not coming out until <laughs> until 2021. In fact, I think Robbie and I even talked about this one on our episode about spring, a spring playlist. Uh, I think that's true. So anyway, this is now a next spring title, it looks like. Siri, Who Am I? has immediately, like even the first page kind of references While You Were Sleeping, uh, that classic American rom-com, where this main character, uh, the main character of Siri, Who Am I? is this young woman. She wakes up in a hospital room. She has amnesia. She doesn't remember who she is. And so she uses, it's very modern, very modern premise, very clever premise, I think, where she wakes up and she realizes the only way she knows who she is is by her phone and like whose phone numbers are in there, who she portrays herself to be on Instagram. Like none of her friends come to the hospital to see her. And that kind of lets us know kind of what kind of person she is. So she realizes while looking through her Instagram and kind of figuring out where she lives, that maybe she is a bit of a fraud or maybe portrays herself like a lot of us do on Instagram as maybe really better than she is. And so I think it has a lot of interesting insight into modern internet culture. I think it's very clever. It's very much at first I was like, oh, I think my mom would like this. And then there are some things that just make it more PG-13 than maybe my mom would really enjoy. But I think the premise is clever. And I think the social commentary is interesting. Very light, uh, very frothy. And I did not always find the characters 
to be likable. There is one character who reminds me very much of Chidi from The Good Place. Uh, like that's who I pictured the entire time. And actually, I think Kristen Bell could probably play the main protagonist as well if we were casting. Um, but I think it's a fun book. It was one that I read and was like, OK, that's cute and moved on. And I think most of you all who are reading this understand and you're either in the mood for that kind of book or you're not. Uh, and so this one comes out in 2021. I think it has interesting things to say about modern modern culture and what we show the world about ourselves. Um, but it's also very light fun. There is a rom-com element, though this to me is not a, would not fall under the rom-com category. And that may even be why I maybe don't sound as thrilled about it is because I was expecting a different plot maybe because of the while you were sleeping <laughs> references. Um, but I think it could be worth trying. It kind of depends on your reading taste, but I think it could be worth trying. So that's Siri, Who Am I? by Sam Toshida. Not out, I'm so sorry, until 2021. Okay, then here is what I will say. Those first three books really came when I was still in a reading rut, which you can probably tell even by how I talked about them. Like I thought they were fine books, but my head wasn't in it or my heart wasn't in it. I don't know. My reading life has felt so odd. And maybe it's because Jordan and I were talking and... I am not experiencing a quarantine like a lot of other people are experiencing it. And I think we're all experiencing different quarantines, if we're being honest. But my work has actually gotten busier, thanks to all of you, and also more stressful, thanks to trying to operate a small business during a pandemic. And so much like my reading life kind of takes a turn uh, during the Christmas and holiday season, I think my reading life has been really challenging over the last five weeks. And so... In a moment of desperation, I grabbed An Old Fashioned Girl by Louisa May Alcott. If you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you know that I love and adore Little Women, but An Old Fashioned Girl is the book that captured my heart when I was a kid. I adore this book and I reread it when I need to. <laughs> and But it had been a while. It had been a long time. I used to read it almost, it felt like every holiday season, not because it's particularly Christmassy. It does it does have some winter scenes, um, but it's not particularly Christmassy. I just, I think that's when I used to have time to read uh, for fun. Um, now that's not true. And so anyway, I grabbed this one fully intending to just read like a few pages. I think I grabbed it one night before bed because maybe also like many of you, I haven't been sleeping great. And so I picked it up and then just got lost in it. And it was the first time in a long time I'd gotten lost in a book. And that's no shade to the previous books I just mentioned. It, your reading life, I think, is so dependent upon your inner life and what's going on in your brain and what's going on in the world. And um, I think I had a really hard time focusing on Friends and Strangers, The Return, Siri, Who Am I? Even some books in my March recap. I think I had some trouble, not with the books themselves, but just focusing on them and enjoying them. And an old-fashioned girl, I think, turned the tide. This book holds up to me. I don't know. I don't know what anybody else thinks about it. And as is true, when you have a book that just means the world to you, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't. I don't really care if other people love it or not because I love it. It and reading it made me feel like a kid again. But also, I felt like I got more insight into those characters. And sometimes we're going to talk about this later too. When I reread a book from my childhood, I get to see oh well, that's why I turned out the way I did. Or like there are parts of me that I picked up from these books. And 
I, the book, if you are not familiar, let me give you a brief plot synopsis. Uh, Basically, a young woman named Polly goes to spend the summer or spend a season with her uh, friend Franny. And Franny has a brother named Tom and a younger sister, a mother who is kind of maybe a little bit bedridden, kind of sensitive, uh, an elderly grandmother, and then uh, a really wonderful father figure in this book. Um, so so Polly goes to live with this family, and she is an old-fashioned girl. Uh, this family is more maybe uh, wealthy than the family that she was raised and grew up in. Like Little Women, we get kind of a book split into two parts, where the first part is um, Polly as a young woman, I think, think between the ages of 13 and 15, I now cannot remember. And then the book flashes forward to when she's in her, I think, I think she's 19 or 20. And I think the love story woven throughout this book is precious. I think Polly as a character could be schmaltzy and could be very Pollyanna-esque, but instead Louisa Malcott has given her some depth and flaws that I really love. Also, you get some fun Louisa Malcott like what is that phrase? Like she breaks the third wall. Like <laughs> she kind of talks to you, the reader. And I think that's really fun. Um, so I adore this book. It held up for me and also brought me a lot of comfort when I needed it. So an old fashioned girl by Louisa May Alcott. Next and like immediately following in a bizarre turn of events, I read the Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slaying by Grady Hendrix. Um, an old fashioned girl must have woken me back up because then the Southern Book Club's Guide I picked up fully intending to just read a part of it. Um, Grady Hendrix graciously did like a virtual author event with a lot of Southern bookstores. And we participated in that. Some of you may have even participated in that. And I decided it would be a good idea to read some of this book that I had heard rave reviews about, by the way. But I just didn't know if it was going to be for me. I never even read Twilight. So I picked this one up on a whim after finishing An Old Fashioned Girl This book hooked me from the first page. Uh, It's one of my five star books of the year. It's one of my favorite books I've read all year. I can't I can't even believe I'm saying it. If you had told me that I would have given, I think, um, a J. Courtney Sullivan book four stars and then a vampire book five, I would have been like, "Mm, no, absolutely not. But this book is so smart and it is a vampire story like there are some speaking as we did earlier of horror stories. There are certainly some horrific parts of this novel. There are some there's some stuff about rats and stuff about bugs that I had to warn Olivia about going in. Um, she is not a bug person or any of us bug people. I don't know, but I loved this book. I thought the women, I thought Grady Hendrix writes about women like J Ryan Stradell does, um, with such grace and humanity and the women in this Southern book club, it is set in nineties, South Carolina. So I also loved this nostalgia factor. So much of what he referenced felt familiar. Also, I kind of loved the 90s vibe. It uh, it helped the storytelling, I thought, uh, that these people did not have cell phones. And so this, basically, this Southern book club in South Carolina is made up of these women who wind up being so much more intricate and interesting than you first, than at first glance, which I, I think is often true. And so these women are, are fascinating and Grady Hendrix really does them a service and a grace. And a very handsome man moves into their neighborhood And this is no spoilers. This is the name of the book. Uh, He is a literal vampire. And this book club has to grapple with that truth. And, oh man, you will read, if you read this book, the role the husbands play in this book is infuriating. Uh, I 
there were parts that made me absolutely furious while reading complicated friendships, female friendships, um, these women not knowing who to trust or how to trust one another. But I thought this book was a blast. I think it's smart, clever, fun, just an utter delight, which is not something I ever thought I would say about a vampire book. But The Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slaying by Grady Hendrix is out now and is truly one of my favorite books I've read this year. Who knew? Next up, I read another childhood favorite. I think I just loved the feeling I got while reading An Old Fashioned Girl. So I picked up Bloomability by Sharon Creech. This is another book that meant a lot to me as a kid. I think I've actually referenced it on the podcast before, though I have not reread it in years. Uh, I love Sharon Creech. I think I posted about this to Instagram and a lot of fellow readers mentioned Walk Two Moons. Like there are some wonderful Sharon Creech books out there, but Bloomability is just the one that I fell in love with. I actually think I read it older than I even should have. Like I think I might've been 15 when I read it. It is very much a middle grade chapter book, um, but I think it caught my eye. And I frequently as a teenager uh, spent a lot of time in the children's section of Barnes and Noble. I think it was the closest thing I could get to the shop around the corner. Um, and so Anyway, I think I picked up Bloomability because I was browsing the children's section at Barnes and Noble one night and uh, I fell in love with Denny is the main character. She is taken, uh, not kidnapped, though she feels kidnapped. She is taken by her aunt and uncle to the American school in Switzerland where her uncle is, a, is the headmaster. Um, if you grew up with dreams of attending a boarding school, well, have I found the book for you? Uh, somebody else recommended another book about boarding schools. I was fascinated as a kid with boarding schools. A few years ago, I met like somebody in Thomasville who had been to a boarding school. And I think I flipped out in a way not appropriate for an adult. <laughs> Uh, and so, I, but I'm just fascinated by that culture. Um, I love the show. I think it's on you know, I think it's on Amazon, sorry to say. Uh, but somebody had recommended the show Harrow to me about the British boarding school. Love, I love any and all of that. And so Bloomability really just sparked something in my childhood imagination. And guess what? It still does. And I thought it was perfect quarantine reading because one of the things I miss the most right now is thinking about and planning travel. I love to travel, whether it's locally, I don't do a ton of international travel, but I got to do some last year, as you know. And so I love to travel. I think it's good for my creativity. It takes me outside of myself. It makes me feel small in the best possible way. And so I love it. And I, my heart is broken that we have already had some trips canceled and, and I truly am just broken over it. And so reading Bloomability and getting to experience travel through Denny's eyes was so comforting. And so if you like me are missing travel and you have a little bit of wanderlust, I think Bloomability would be a lovely book to pick up. So Bloomability by Sharon Creech, just as delightful as I remembered. I then read The Herd by Andrea Bartz. This was Olivia's, um, let me think what month we are in. This was her April shelf subscription pick. And we were talking about the return and kind of how we thought and felt about that book. And then she was like, you should try the herd. It's a, it's more, uh, traditional. It's a more traditional suspense thriller, thriller book. Also adult Annie, like, okay. Young Annie is to boarding schools. Like adult Annie is to women's workspaces. <laughs> so, so I 
think it would be so fun uh, to own or to operate a women's workspace like The Wing or something like that. I find that fascinating. This book is set in a women's workspace called The Herd. Um, I think the world of The Herd is fascinating to read about. And I thought this was this book was a blast. I think it's very smart. It maybe isn't the like most well-written book I've ever read, but I don't really think that's the point. I think it's very clever. Again, kind of the same social commentary you're getting from Siri, Who Am I? You're getting in the herd um, because you're getting a look at maybe why women's workplaces, workspaces exist, what their intention is, what their purpose is. The herd is run by this very mysterious young woman and her best friends, and then she goes missing and her best friends have to figure out what happened to her. I think the herd is actually the book I wanted the return to be, if that makes sense. And so I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a blast. I have pretty vivid memories of reading this one beside the pool. And kind of flying through it just because I was desperate to know what happened to this this leader of this almost it's it's not a cult, but she does have kind of this cult leader kind of presence. And then her friends, what they do when, you know, a friend dynamic really changes when one person leaves the group, um, however they leave, however they wind up leaving. Uh, so I, anyway, the characters of this one, I found one of the main characters in particular, I found to just be utterly obnoxious, but it didn't matter uh, because I just, again, was so propelled by the story and kind of wanted to know what happened. So that's The Herd by Andrea Bartz. I followed that up with The Guest List by Lucy Foley. I have not read The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley, but Olivia loved it. The Guest List was appealing to me because it was set uh, at a wedding venue. And we're going to get to this later I forget why. Oh, because another book talks about this. But I used to work for a wedding planner and I used to work for a caterer. And so sometimes when books reference those worlds, I'm very intrigued. So this book takes place in Scotland at this very kind of elite out of off the beaten path wedding venue and almost like Agatha Christie. And then there were none vibes, except only one person uh, ultimately goes missing and you spend the novel flashing back and forth between the moment they find out the person is missing from the venue and then earlier in the day. I, so I think the time setup is really fun. I think weddings are fascinating. Uh, remember that book I talked about last year called Strangers and Cousins? I think any book that kind of centers around a wedding, even seating arrangements, which wasn't my favorite book by Maggie Shipstead, but like, I just like books set around weddings. I think there's so much storytelling that can take place there. Uh, and I liked the twist that this is basically a suspense. Like this is a much darker version of what could happen at a wedding. Um, so the guest list by Lucy Foley also really liked. So I like the back and forth in time. And I also like the uh, storytelling where each chapter is narrated by a different member of the wedding party. So you get like the plus one, you get the bride, the groom. Oh, I don't think, I don't know if you get the groom's perspective, the bride, the bride's sister, the wedding planner. So you get all their different perspectives. I really liked that. I think it's very fun, fast, compulsively readable thriller. So that's The Guest List by Lucy Foley. This might have been a book of the month pick too, actually, now that I'm thinking of it. I read The Big Finish by Brooke Fossey. This book is another one you can tell Olivia and I have been spending a lot of time together uh, because we're reading a lot and recommending a lot of books to each other. So she recommended some thrillers to me. I teased her that she then read an Annie book, what I would call an Annie book. She read The Big Finish by Brooke Fossey and then recommended it to me because I had not read it yet. So The Big Finish is very much 
what do we call this genre of literature where somebody I feel like came up with a clever name and now I don't know it, but basically grumpy literature, like, like Eleanor Oliphant or a man called Uva. That's what the big finish is. Let me tell you about this book. I liked the first half, loved the last half. So the book opens with these two older men living in an assisted living facility and they're going about their morning routines, their roommates in this assisted living facility. And then one of their granddaughters comes in the window and their world turns upside down. And this book only spans like a week, but it feels so much longer, very appropriate for the, for the quarantine, because you're seeing this all through the perspective of this older man. And he, it, this book deals with themes I was not expecting. And I do think I, I want you to know because it changes how it changes the tone of the book. So you, the cover makes you think this book is really fun and it is, but it's also really bittersweet because basically this granddaughter comes into the window. She's obviously in some kind of distress and she's in her early twenties and this assisted living facility basically takes her under their wings. I, this is not a spoiler because I think this is important for readers to know, but she, they discover she's an alcoholic and so is Duffy. Um, Duffy is the roommate of Carl and Carl's granddaughter is the one who kind of finds herself in a bit of trouble. And so Duffy takes Josie under his wing because he too is an alcoholic. And the reason I think that's important is because there are some really heartbreaking scenes in this book that I am so glad I read, but I was not prepared for because the book just seems like it's going to be this fun romp. Um, and instead I think the book has a lot to say about recovery and addiction and, I think it's so smart, but I, but I think readers should know that there's really no allusion to that. Um, or I don't, I don't think there's any allusion to that in the, on the blurb. Um, anyway, the good news is there's also some really fun, there are some really fun scenes, almost, um, like hijinks certainly ensue when this, uh, the people at this assisted living facility decide to take Josie in, there's almost not even a heist, but there's almost like this vibe of this. There's a very adventurous vibe to this book that I really enjoyed, particularly in the last half. Like the first half is a lot of a lot of stuff about addiction and recovery and grief and loss. Um, and then the last half deals with that as well. But there's also just some really fun scenes. Also, just a fun little tidbit. When I read Carrie Winfrey's book, I, of course, listened to a lot of Yacht Rock, even while reading the book, because I just was so compelled by it. This book references in one scene, um, Tommy Dorsey. And I was sitting out by the pool and I was like, I want to hear the way this, this author, the way Brooke Fossey describes this scene made me immediately also want to listen to Tommy Dorsey. And so I don't know. I love when a book opens my world that way and, and moves beyond the page and makes me want to, I don't know. So I, I finished this book while listening to Tommy Dorsey and I cannot recommend it enough. So, um, just the experience of reading it was so delightful. So, um, anyway, the big finish by Brooke Fossey, very fun. Fun isn't even the right word. Um, I think it's a really sweet book. We'll put it, I think that's the better word. This is a really sweet book, uh, about, aging. I loved the protagonist Duffy. 
Carl sometimes drove me nuts, but I think he was supposed to. Uh, and so I just loved the people in this book. I thought they were really charming and very much. If you liked a man called Uva, I think this will, I think this novel could answer, could answer that or could pa- be paired with that. Okay. Then I finished the month on a really high note. I, I, and like I said, I think an old fashioned girl really turned my reading life around this month. Um, but I finished with two books that I read this past weekend. Actually. Uh, the first is lucky caller by Emma Mills. This was my first Emma Mills book. I had never read anything by her before, but one of the people I trust on the internet, one of my internet friends recommended this book Um, on her Instagram. And so I decided to give it a try and I fell in love with it. This is the other book. So the character in this book also works for a caterer. And there, again, there, those scenes aren't even the biggest part of the book, but I just, I also worked for a caterer in high school. Uh, And so Lucky Caller is a young adult novel about this young woman who takes a radio class at her school, which sounds super fun. And she and her, she kind of joins this kind of ragtag team of people and they have to create their own radio show. I loved every part, every member of this book. I feel like if you ever were in high school and if you're listening to this, you were, (laughs) uh, then so much of this book will feel familiar. So many of the characters will feel familiar to you. And so she has to help create this radio show. Her mother is in the process of getting remarried. Remember when I read the book, 10 Blind Dates, and I just fell in love with the family? Lucky Caller has a an absolutely precious family. Like it, the sister, I love the sisters. Uh, I love the mother, the soon-to-be stepdad. I think the family in this book is like wrapping a warm blanket around your shoulders. Like I just absolutely fell in love with them. There's also a rom-com element, uh, as there often is in some of my favorite young adult literature, but my favorite YA novels, uh, are set when they, these people are seniors in high school. And so it's a little bit more believable to me. Their romances are a little more believable. Uh, but to me, the romance was lovely, but really I just loved the family and I loved this main character. I finished this in one sitting. It was just absolutely charming. I fell in love with this book and with these people. So that is Lucky Caller by Emma Mills. And then the last book I read this month was The Names They Gave Us by Emery Lord. This was another recommendation from an internet friend. Lucky Caller was recommended to me by Marcy. Uh, But then The Names They Gave Us was recommended to me by Abby. And Abby makes the earrings that are in our, our, that are at the bookshelf. Um, You might recognize her. I think the jewelry company name is By Bay Jewelry, but she names all of her earrings after literary characters, which is um, amazing. So anyway, Abby recommended the names they gave us to me. And I love when people recommend books to me. I love when people, especially people I trust and like, she knows me relatively well, considering we've never met, like she knows my taste based on, you know, the internet powers of the internet. And because sure enough, I love this book. I'm going to buy it. Um, I want it for my shelves. So the names they gave us is about a young woman named Lucy. Lucy is the daughter of a pastor and her mother has breast cancer. And instead of spending her summer at church camp, which is what she normally does, it's this camp that her parents run. um, She spends it at this camp for kids. How do, how do I wear this? Like basically kids who have experienced um, tragedy or, or are experiencing hard times. And so she becomes a counselor at this camp. 
I hate camp. I hate summer camp. As we all know, feels very culty to me, but I fell in love with the, these counselors with this camp. I thought the book was so smart in how it talked about faith and loss and what happens when the faith that has buoyed you through your whole life, all of a sudden you start to sink. And I, I found it to be very real in terms of talking about you. I just love a book that talks about faith in a real and interesting way. And I think this book does that. Also, people are always asking at the bookshelf for books about grief. And that's such a hard question because it really depends on what you mean by that. So we frequently recommend, you know, The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. We recommend A Grief Observed, um, which is my personal favorite C.S. Lewis book. We recommend Option B by Sheryl Sandberg. Like it totally depends on what you really want. Um, But turns out the names they give us is now the book I will recommend for people who are grieving, whether you are young or or not. So much of what was in this book, I thought, was applicable to me as a grown-up. And so anyway, this is called The Names They Gave Us by Emery Lord. Absolutely wonderful book that I am so thrilled to have ended the month on. I thought it was excellent. So... Those are the books I read in April. I hope you might find something in there that might suit you. Very curious how everybody is holding up and how your reading lives are looking. I hope you'll let us know. Happy reading, everybody. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftbill, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through the store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. Thank you so much for your online orders these past few weeks. They have really sustained us. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm still reading You Never Forget Your First by Alexis Co. I am loving it. I'm just taking my time with it, but I'm almost done and it is so good. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly New Release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week. <laughs>